Hallelujah. He is indeed alive. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Well, I greet you on this Easter morning. That also happens to be April the 1st, which also happens to be April Fool's Day. Known as a day for pulling pranks and jokes on people. Have you, anybody had an April Fool's joke pulled on you today? Right? I, I remember, the, I think the best one ever pulled on me, my mother did one morning. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't on Easter morning, but probably was a Saturday or Sunday morning that she had time to make pancakes. And I thought, boy, this is a great treat. Until I tried to cut and eat them, and I discovered that she had pulled, pulled an April Fool's prank on me by she put cotton in the batter. And I had cotton pancakes on April Fool's morning. She got me a good one on that one. Well, I imagine with Easter and celebrating the resurrection and Jesus Christ, our Savior, we proclaim, has come back from the dead. Uh, I think our critics and those who are skeptics probably have had something to say and, and look forward to to having the opportunity to criticize Christianity on April Fool's Day because they would take every opportunity to make the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ look even more ridiculous and foolish to a logically thinking mindset today. Perhaps you've been like I have been and wondered, when was the last time that Easter ever fell on April Fool's Day? Anybody know right offhand? Did you remember? Well, according to the research I did on the Internet, the last time Easter was on April 1st, April Fool's Day, was 1956. How many of you remember that? If you don't, that's okay, because that's 62 years ago. That's a long time to remember something, and a lot of you out there weren't even born at that time, right? If you want to know when it's going to happen again, The researcher again on the internet tells me that Easter won't be on April Fool's Day again until the year 2029. Now, when you think about what we're celebrating and how we celebrate, you know, it really is, it really is, in a lot of ways, an appropriate day, April Fool's Day, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you might think, okay, where are you going with that? Well, here's what happened. Satan thought he had the last laugh. When he saw Jesus die on the cross, taken down and placed in a tomb, and that tomb sealed, and that tomb guarded by Roman soldiers, he thought he had won that battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. But on Sunday morning, God had the last laugh, didn't he? He had the last laugh at Satan's expense. And then I read this history about um, about celebrating Easter with a great jovial spirit. Somewhere a monk whose name has been lost in history got to pondering about the solemn events of Holy Week, uh, uh, about Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and then the astonishing, earth-shaking events of Easter Sunday. And he thought, what a surprise ending. And if you can imagine this, in the silent halls of a monastery, here comes, here comes the roaring laughter of a monk who breaks his vows of silence. And when they track him down, he talks about the fact that, don't you see, it was a joke. It was a great joke. The best joke of all history. On Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified, the devil thought he won. 
But God had the last laugh on Easter when he raised Jesus from the dead. And so the monks began to call that the Easter laugh. And a tradition developed. I don't know what happened to it because I'm not sure that we follow through with that anymore. But a tradition began in Orthodox and Catholic and Protestant countries that in homes and churches on the week following Easter, it was known to be a day of telling jokes and celebrating uh, the good news of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So enjoy a good joke today at Satan's expense as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, in recent weeks leading up to this glorious day of the resurrection, in the series of messages, The Passion of Jesus, we have walked with Jesus through the last events of his life. We celebrated Passover with him and his disciples in the upper room, and we celebrated that with the Lord's Supper. Then we we spent the time with Jesus in in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was in agony wrestling with his humanity and the will of God. We watched the betrayal of Judas as he kissed the Lord Jesus and designated him as Jesus the Christ. We saw his arrest and the mockery of his trials in an unjust system. We watched as Peter denied him by a a campfire on on a cold night. And then we saw the torture and the mockery that Jesus endured at the hands of the soldiers and then came the horror of the crucifixion. And now today on Easter Sunday... We are like the family I read about who gathered to watch the great movie from the past, The Life of Christ, entitled The Greatest Story Ever Told. You might remember that. And as Jesus journeyed to Calvary, a little girl in the family had tears roll down her cheeks. She was absolutely silent until after Jesus had been taken down from the cross and then placed in the tomb. And then suddenly she stood up and she shouted, Now comes the good part. Well, after we've walked through these events in the last days of Jesus, suffering and the agony and his death on the cross, today comes the good part. We read the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this glorious Easter Sunday. Look with me in your scripture or follow along on your Bible app or on the screen to our scripture found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning there in verse 50 and reading through chapter 24. Uh, verse 12. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea and was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. What a glorious reading of the account of the resurrection. It affirms for us what we're going to consider today about the resurrection, and that is the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about, first of all, the miracle of the resurrection, and then we'll make practical application when we think about the meaning of the resurrection for us. But first, let's think about the miracle of the resurrection. When we consider the miracle of the resurrection, then we're talking about the fact that Jesus Christ literally was resurrected from the dead by the miracle of God as he brought Jesus back from the dead after his brutal death on that fateful Friday. That doesn't mean that Jesus survived. There are theories out there that just say Jesus survived the crucifixion. One of them is the swoon theory that says he really didn't die on the cross. But then he just swooned or fainted. And then when he was placed in that cool tomb that somehow he was revived. And then he had power to roll away about a, a, a ton of stone. And then overcome a Roman garrison. And then escape from the tomb. Many years ago, J. Vernon McGee was a Bible teacher on the radio. And he received a letter from a lady who said, Our preacher said that on Easter Jesus just swooned on the cross. And that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? And this is what McGee said. He said, dear sister, and don't any of y'all take this to heart, okay? Dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip. (laughs) Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for three days and then see what happens. Jesus didn't just survive, nor was he just resuscitated. Like Lazarus and others that Jesus brought back from the dead. They were just brought back from the dead for a short period of time. And then they had to go through the death process again. But not so for Jesus because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. God performed the dramatic act in which he even went against the laws of nature that he himself had put into place. He reversed the law of death and the process of decay and decomposition on the body of his son, Jesus Christ. And he brought him back from the dead. And that's something that's never happened before and never happened since, even though we wait for that blessed day of the resurrection. But the central truth, of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Now, here are three 
sources of evidence as we consider the reality of the resurrection. First is the miracle of the resurrection being communicated by the angels. When the women arrived at the tomb, they were greeted by two angelic beings who asked them a penetrating question. Why why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. And then reminded them of what Jesus had taught. And suddenly what he had said to them on numerous occasions, that the Son of Man would be given up and he would be crucified, dead and buried, but on the third day would be resurrected. Suddenly it began to make truth. It made sense. They believed. They remembered. Just like Jesus sent a band of angels to herald the birth of Jesus Christ, he sent angelic beings to the empty tomb to announce the fact that Jesus Christ was not dead, but that he indeed was alive. And secondly, the miracle of the resurrection was confirmed by the absence of Jesus Christ. Once the angels announced to the women he's not here, they could see for themselves that Jesus wasn't there and that the tomb was empty. Our planet is littered with the graves and tombs of millions upon millions of people. Some hold the bodies of founders of religious faiths. There are two tombs in Jerusalem that could have been the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. One is the ornate tomb in the church of the Holy Sepulchre and the other is the garden tomb near a hillside outside Jerusalem that looks like the face of a skull. 2016 when Cookie and I were there and and we were there visiting both places, we went to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, the second time I'd been there and I, I really again wasn't impressed by the ornate design and decorations there. But then we went to the garden tomb, and there was something that just kind of fluttered in my heart when we walked into the garden, and I saw the tomb. Our tour guide was from Belgium, and he said, some of you have probably been to the Holy Sepulchre, and they will tell you there that they believed that that was the tomb of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm here at the garden tomb because I believe this is the tomb of Jesus Christ. But he said, you know what the good news really is? He's not in either one of those tombs. You see, if you're a skeptic of the resurrection, then prove where the body of Jesus Christ is if you don't believe he's been resurrected. The tomb was empty. There was nobody ever to be found. No Roman could be tried for the murder of Jesus because there was nobody that was found. And then thirdly, the miracle of the resurrection was certified by the appearances of Jesus Christ himself. You see, the empty tomb by itself does not prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even in our scripture today, it says that Peter ran to the tomb. He saw that it was empty, but he wondered to himself what had happened. It wasn't until later that Jesus Christ appeared to his disciples that the reality sank in. You remember that first Sunday evening? They were, they were hiding behind locked doors in the upper room, and Jesus suddenly appeared in their midst, and he said, Peace be with you. You remember Thomas wasn't there? When they told Thomas about it, he said, I won't believe until I put my hand in the prince. And the next time Jesus was there, Thomas was there. And and Jesus said to him, see, Thomas, here, come, put your hand here. Thomas didn't have to do it. He just simply said, my Lord and my God. Why? Because he was face to face with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Bible tells us that during the 40 days between his resurrection and when he ascended back into heaven, that Jesus made numerous appearances to numerous people. The Apostle Paul affirms that for us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. He says to us, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now you see there are those who who could have created a, a, a resurrection story that was a hoax if it wasn't true. Maybe one or two people could have gotten by with it. But when we have validated proof of the appearance of Jesus Christ, To these people named and over 500 at one time, it has to be a reality. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reality of the greatest miracle of the power of God. Now, we can affirm that miracle of the resurrection. But what about the meaning of the resurrection for us? It's obvious some of you haven't been regular in attendance. You're here on Easter Sunday. What brings you back once a year? What keeps you going the rest of the year? It's the reality of the resurrection and the meaning that it has for our life. So what do we want to claim about the resurrection? You see, here is the reality. There is the fact about the resurrection, that Jesus Christ is no longer dead, but has been raised from the grave. And then there has to be the impact of the resurrection on our life. If there's no impact of the resurrection on our life, then how do you claim your Christian faith? How do you live your Christian faith? What does the reality of a living Savior mean for you when you go through the dark, difficult moments and times of life? You see, if you don't claim that power every day, then maybe you don't need to worship him but once a year. The reality is you do need to worship him more often. And you need to claim that power of the resurrection and the reality of it every day. See, it's because the resurrection of Jesus Christ validates who he is. I have a painting that I purchased at the garden tomb of Jesus. And the scripture that's there on a sign in the garden tomb is from Romans 1 that says, Who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the reality of the resurrection affirms that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is Lord. And when we experience him, what a difference he makes in our life. 
We affirm every day that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, and we are not alone in this battle and this struggle in life. Look at his disciples. Before they encountered him in his resurrection, they were hiding behind locked doors. They were fearful for their life. But when they encountered him, they became the boldest people who have ever walked the face of this earth. And they proclaimed the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And they willingly gave up their life for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you might not be called upon to give up your life in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's some realities that I think you want to claim, three of them at least, that I think maybe encompass everything that we have by way of need for the power of the resurrection in our life day by day. The first is this, our sins are forgiven. See, the entire passion of Jesus Christ is about our sins being forgiven through the action of our loving God who sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. But we know he died on the cross as the sacrifice, but how do we know? What tells us that that God was satisfied with that sacrifice and our sins can be forgiven? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When God brought him back from the dead, he validated the fact that the sacrifice Jesus made with his own life was adequate to satisfy the holy, righteous, and just nature of our God. And our sins can be forgiven. In 1 Corinthians 15, again, the Apostle Paul says, If Christ was not raised from the dead, our faith is futile. We are still in our sins. We are unforgiven, and those who have died have perished. But Paul goes on to say, in fact, Christ was raised from the dead. And by raising Christ from the dead, God assures us that our sins can be forgiven. If we acknowledge our sin, confess our sin, and repent of our sin, then our sins can be forgiven through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the second reality that you need to claim, and that is we have hope for the future. See, Easter is the answer for facing the future with hope. See, every one of us lives between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We we, we live between the darkness and the suffering and despair and pain and agony of Friday to Saturday, which was a day of doubt and darkness and confusion and misery and silence, to Sunday, which was Easter Sunday, the resurrection, which became the day of hope and joy and victory. And the reality of life is that every one of us here today is in one of those days. It's either Friday and the day of suffering and pain, or Saturday and the day of doubt and confusion and misery, and you think God is silent, or it's Easter Sunday and you're living in the bright and glorious hope of the resurrection with joy and victory. So the issue for us as believers as we struggle with the harsh realities of life is we're not exempt from those things. We're not exempt from sickness and death and disease and chaos and betrayal and all of those things that take place in our life. We're not beyond really questioning 
the goodness and the will of God sometimes at the things that happens in our life. But here are three fundamental questions that help us get through this with the hope of a risen Lord Jesus Christ. The first is, what do I do in my days of pain? Secondly, how do I get through the days of doubt and confusion? And thirdly, how do I get to the days of joy and victory? And the answer is Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. See, if you're living in Friday, let me tell you, Sunday's still coming. If you're living in Saturday, remember, Sunday's coming. If you're living in Sunday and everything is fine in your life and wonderful and you're in the joy of the resurrection, remember that at some point in time you're going to experience a Friday or a Saturday or you will know how quickly you have come through those days. If you're in a Friday, remember, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. If you're in a Saturday, remember, you're not alone. God's not silent. Jesus is with you. The joy, hope, and reality of the resurrection await you. There is hope for the future. And then the third reality is that there is life after death. That should be obvious. But there are still those who are doubtful of that and who are fearful of the death process. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms what Jesus taught about the resurrection. That because I live, you too shall live. One of the harsh realities of life is that unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns soon, every one of us in this room will experience death. And the question beyond that is, is where will you spend eternity? You see, there is life after death. And we await the glorious day of the resurrection Jesus said, do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear this voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So the question is, where will you spend eternity? This past month, well, February, beginning February 21st, the day that Billy Graham died, we mourned his death. I think the greatest evangelist ever to walk the face of the earth, the man of integrity and character driven by the Holy Spirit who literally impacted this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never a shadow of any kind of character flaw or lack of integrity in his life. Several years ago, the city of Charlotte had a celebration to honor his life. And when he got up to speak, he talked about the fact that the suit he was wearing was a new suit that he bought for that occasion. And then he went on to say, the next time I wear this suit will be when I die and I will be buried in this suit. And then he went on to tell a story about Albert Einstein who was traveling from Princeton on a train and the conductor came through his car punching tickets And when the conductor got to Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein, who was known for being brilliant but also scatterbrained, checked everywhere. His pants pocket, his coat pocket, his vest pocket, his shirt pocket, everywhere, and he couldn't find his ticket. And the conductor said, that's all right, Dr. Einstein. I know you. I know your character. I know you bought a ticket. You're okay. Don't worry about it. And the conductor went on about his business. 
After he'd gone through all the cars and punched the tickets, he was coming back through this one. And there was Dr. Einstein down on his hands and knees looking under the seat, frantically searching for his ticket. And the conductor said again, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about it. I know who you are. Dr. Einstein looked up at him and he said, young man, I know who I am too. I need my ticket because I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Then Billy Graham said, When you see me in my casket wearing this suit, remember two things. I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Today, you can know who you are and where you're going for eternity through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 11, 25, and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? When you live in faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, you know who you are and where you will spend eternity. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you will spend eternity? Do you have the presence of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in your life to give you hope and purpose and meaning in life? Have you come to claim him as Savior and crown him as Lord by acknowledging your sin, confessing your sin, repenting from your sin, and trusting him as Savior? Then today would be a wonderful day to begin life anew as you celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, on this day we rejoice in the glory of the resurrection. The tomb is empty because death could not hold the Lord Jesus Christ. His body saw no decay. His enemies did not win. The earth could not contain him. And so we are emboldened by the power of the resurrection. We are encouraged by the hope of the resurrection. We are enlightened by the truth of the resurrection. So help us, dear God, to have a daily expectation that we will encounter the living Lord Jesus wherever we live. Help us to live in submission to him, allowing him to be the Lord of our life. Empower us to bring this message of resurrection and hope into every dark and desperate corner of this world. Father, we pray this and claim this in the name of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.